We have a dream. We have a voice. This is the Anchor Nation. The Anchor Nation. The Anchor Nation. The Anchor Nation. Hi, I'm your host, Kevin Touch, and we are the, the Anchor, Anchor Nation. Nation. Hello, Anchor Nation. This is Kevin Touch, the host of Anchor Nation Community Radio. We're back with another episode of the Anchor Nation podcast, episode 68 with Tony Mosey. Had a great sit down with Tony. Great guy, author. In the sense that he writes books, reads books. Uh, excuse me, rhyme book reviewer, but he could definitely be an author. I mean, the way he writes and rhymes and talks about his job placement and how he left it to go pursue this. And really his family and, and the mentality of his parents has definitely changed him for sure. Hope you guys enjoy. And as always, this is Tony Mosey, episode 68. Feel free to leave an iTunes review. Hello. Hello, Anchor Nation. This is Kevin Touch, the host of Anchor Nation Community Radio. We're back with another episode of the Anchor Nation podcast, episode 68 with Tony Mosey. And without further ado, let Tony introduce himself. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Tony Mosey, the rhyming book reviewer, giving you book summaries in hip-hop, musical, and theatrical form. Awesome, Tony. Can't wait to hear your story a little bit more. But question one, how did you discover Anchor? Uh, so I had an associate of mine one day, he noticed that I love, you know, putting out audio content at the time. I think this was around like close to 2016, maybe, you know, tail in 2015. And he told me that there was this relatively new app out, it was called Anchor. There wasn't that many people on there yet. There wasn't really true believers. But he said he thought I would be good for that. He said, you know, because you post audio stuff and it'd be great. It's kind of like a radio station. People could hear your music. They could hear your rhyming book reviews. You know, and of course, the fact that I'm a, I love to speak, of course, this is great. And so uh, he also told me that Gary Vaynerchuk was also, you know, talking big about this app. And so that further drove me into hopping on. And I, I went out to Anchor version one. And I'll tell you, man, I haven't I haven't gotten off of it ever since. I mean, Anchor one version one all the way to this newest version. I mean, it's been through some. Uh, roads, some rough roads, but I tell you, man, they continually get better and better, and I'm very thankful for this app. No, this app is great. I think the fact that you had Gary Vee, the one of the biggest influencers on this app, take it to the next level, and the fact that you can share your message for free with podcast distribution, it's incredible. And question two, what is your message on Anchor with your podcast? So, the I do, I do rhyming book reviews, so basically, they're book summaries of nonfiction books. I mean, I, and I could t- to give you a little story behind it, uh, I've worked in the field of mental health, working direct patient care with psychiatric children, adolescents, and adults for 10 years. So mm-hmm. I've worked in the hospital, I worked in the research setting, and I also worked uh, as an in-home therapist, social worker. So psychology has been part of my life professionally, personally, you know, and uh I incorporated as well uh, personal development uh, into what I do with my brand. Uh, I have been reading voraciously uh, books since I was nine years old. And around, around, right around time when I was going into college, I was reading a lot of uh, personal development books or back then it was called self-help books. Um, I think they may have called it that. They still call it that now. But personal development is something that I, I, I breathe I exude. I love helping people. Uh, and mm-hmm. my message is basi- basically to promote personal development, whether it's through the rhyming book reviews or my rants or my how to's. Uh, it's all to just pretty much better your oneself, because 
I've been through a situation where I didn't have uh, a, a, actually a good parenting. You know, I didn't have a mentorship growing up. Uh, but fortunately, I found books. And then because of books, it had me in the right way. And uh, I want people to also be, hop on that same wagon as I did. If you're struggling in something, you know, and you don't have the means, uh, uh, self-education is going to get you uh, uh, way ahead of the game and is going to put you in a successful route. No, so yeah. my, my message is all about that. No, absolutely. That's a great message to have because without personal development and without really putting it and honing in on those skills, you'll never know where you'll get in the next couple of years. It's important to keep improving and developing yourself each day. And you touched a little bit on your, your current occupation, but just for questions, we'll spice it up here. What would you say is the current challenges you face with your occupation or benefits, either one? Um, so it's, it's tough because, to be honest, I, I, it's a, I'm in this transition mode right now. Um, about a year or two, actually about two years ago, I came up with the rhyming, the idea of a rhyming book review. This was about August 2015 when I started putting out content on social media. And at that time, I was in my tail end of my career working in a psychiatric hospital. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was just like miserable. I did not like the job anymore. I was burnt out. And I was trying to figure out how am I going to get out. And through time, through motivation, through through some inspiration, I finally left the job that I worked at for 10 years about, let's see, uh, May of 2017. So uh, uh, about a year ago, I left the job and I said, uh, you know, and I didn't look back. Uh, I got my master's degree and I worked as an in-home therapist uh, up in Massachusetts. So I just I've just been living up in Boston for about a year now coming from Connecticut. And, um, you know, I worked that job for six months and I think that was a straw that broke the camel's back. Around that time, too, I was uh, already into entrepreneurship. So not only was I reading books, I was finally taking action with my life and setting up business uh, systems. So what I do is I work primarily with authors uh, and I provide them, of course, digital marketing content for their books to promote their books uh, and, uh, and and then on the side, I help consult uh, people in social work and in the mental health system, you know, with my with my uh, area of expertise working with psychiatric and behavioral health. So it's a, a right now I'm in definitely that uh, entrepreneur mode where I'm taking on all these different tasks. But ultimately, I want to be able to hold down on one. Uh, I'm very excited and passionate about a lot of things. But noticing that when I focus on one thing, uh, it's definitely yielded me a lot better results with everything in life. So uh, the challenge is definitely uh, focusing on what I really love. I mean, I love the rapping and talking and books mm -hmm. for readership. So that's definitely number one. Um, I put secondary or at least in the back, the back burner, the whole uh, um, uh, consulting or, you know, providing some kind, you know, some kind of liaison for mental health. Uh, and then, you know, every so often I give talks like I just recently gave talk to a talk to and workshop at Massachusetts General Hospital for a youth leadership program on personal branding. So, you know, I, I'm in a sense everywhere uh, i'm doing the things that i love but i know ultimately i'm going to want to hold down on one thing and one of that one and that has an effect on everything and i say uh, uh the fact that i'm not holding down on one it's having an effect on me getting consistent stream of revenue uh, uh it's having an effect on on people's uh perception of what my brand entails i mean it just goes uh so many ways and so right now i'm definitely trying to make it uh, a lot more clear, 
a lot more definite and, you know, uh, just pretty much everything's aligning with the brand. Yeah, it's good. The line with the stars. Yeah, that's a great point that you're in transition, Mo. I think the fact that you took the courage to take your job and say, you know what, Tony's doing great somewhere else, but not right now at the job because he's wearing your, your health out. And you took to this next step to go to the rhyming book reviewer scene. It shows the courage and passion that you still have it to make those hard transitions that will better you in life because of the adversity you overcame. And once you do figure it out, good things are ahead for sure. Indeed. And definitely, definitely. And question four, how did you become great at rapping and just dropping bars in general? <laughs> well, uh, I think it goes back to when I started performing, uh, when I went to a performing arts elementary school in New York, around New York City. Uh, I was born in Brooklyn and then I was raised in Yonkers. So in Yonkers, I went to an elementary school there. You know, they taught you how to, they taught dance, they taught visual arts, they taught, uh, uh, you, you know, music with marching and concert band, acting. And my two strongest suits there were uh, acting and playing music. So I was playing the alto saxophone in marching and concert band. So uh, that started, that started my uh, whole career with music and creativity at 14, I joined a, uh, a rap group called uh, the Verbal Assassin's Click. This was based out of Connecticut at 14. That was like my first kind of uh, uh, more serious uh, hip-hop type of role. And right. when MySpace when my was big, when MySpace was big back then, uh, when it was booming, I was posting my music. You know, they had a music list, and I was able to post my music on there. And because of that, I was getting people from around the world asking me to, like, collaborate with them. So... I traveled to Norway, did some performances out there, recorded on a 12-inch vinyl out there, did a music video. I've been to, I've performed and recorded out in Australia with some groups, Argentina, and then, of course, Spain and Norway. And because of that, you know, like, I've, I've made some really solid family. I call them family now. I don't even just call them uh, uh, artists or MCs or anything like that. They're now my family. But because of that, that has afforded me opportunities, you know, to, to, to bring out, to to um to make more networks, you know, and build a, a, a wonderful, nice, tight woven network. And um, because of that, I was able to be around the culture of people who were passionate themselves about rapping. So I immersed myself in the culture going to, it was almost like, I don't know, if you're in business or even if you're just like trying to learn something, it was like me going to seminars. Concerts were like the seminars, like, um, uh, what you call it, not talent shows, but open mics were like my seminars. I would go there and right. study people, see how people uh, rapped on the stage, see their presence. I was all about that. I was doing that even when I was 12 years old. I was going to dances and lip syncing to like groups like Onyx. And people were looking at me like, yo, this dude is weird. Like I'm like by myself, like doing the whole hip hop rap hands and arms and like really getting emotional and getting so into it. And even looking at myself in the mirror day in, day out, like rapping in, in front of myself, doing like body postures and everything like that. Like I'm on stage in front of a thousand people. So I've been doing this for, since I was, you know, a team, basically uh, just practicing, practicing, immersing myself, being part of the culture, visualizing it, acting it out like the book Psycho Cybernetics. And, uh, you know, it was like just because of that, that's what got me to become better and better at what I do. I'm glad you mentioned practice and all that. And I think it's a real quick follow-up. Would you say because you read a lot of books and you really honed in on it that you were more patient in the way you observe rather than just go for it? Were you more cautious? Uh, can, you, can you explain that a little bit more? 
Yeah. What would you say? Just seeing other people do it. Did that help you personally develop because you also read books, just have more knowledge. And then when you got into the rapping scene, you really just came naturally after that. I mean, it, 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 it was both ways. See, the, under, the interesting thing was when I joined the rap group, I was 14 years old, but I wrote my first rhyme at 13, which I don't know how I grew so exponentially from that one rhyme that I wrote at 13 versus the actual song that I did with a group. But like right. it went, it was like miles away. People were like, you know, the, my very first rhyme was horrible. Like my very first like written rhyme, and I try to rhyme it out. Like it was just, it's just very elementary, basically. Maybe because I was younger, but fourteen, I just stepped it up so much. And I don't know. I think to be honest with you, I don't want to say it's genetic, but I, I think this is kind of a, this is that's why I believe this is my calling because if I'm doing it just like almost like effortlessly at fourteen you know, and I enjoy it, then, like, this is definitely one of my callings, is definitely making music, making hip-hop, rapping, rhyming, you know, Im uh, improvisational rhyming, or as you would call it, freestyle rhyming, and I, I think it's a combination, Kevin. I, uh, Kevin, it's a combination of me doing it, as me, as well as me observing, and uh, then, of course, I would, I would admit that books have helped my wordplay, because every time I read book, a book, or read books, and then I, like, marinated on it, took a break, maybe for a few days, and someone asked me to just freestyle a little bit, I would be like, it, it would just be, the words would just flow off the top, like, like water out of a, out of, out of a tipping bucket, you know? So I, I think it's a combination of all those things. It's uh, me innately having that gift, me immersing myself and then me reading books. That's a great point. I think the fact that you just had that all called into one package to get that natural given ability at age 14 it just continued and continued, and eventually you, you start really looking into it. The thing you first did at 13 is a thing in the past, and now here you are making rhymes and spinning bars each day. And question five, we already got the message behind the Rhyme Book Reviewer, so I'll spice it up. What would you say, as the Rhyme Book Reviewer, was the best book you rhymed to? So uh, just, just to take a slight step back, the rhyming book review, the reason, I mean, as I grow more into it, I've started to understand my why. Like, it's the book by Simon Sinek, S-I-N-E-K. He wrote the book Start With Why, and he talks about why people are so successful because it's not, people don't talk about or understand how they do it or what they do or where they do it or when they do it. They talk about why. And when you get down to your why, you keep asking the question why you do what you do. It's the foundation that pretty much starts and finishes with everything. Um, so my why has gotten bigger because I see running when I was in the inner city in a low income area, you know, where my parents, my dad was living off food stamps. My parents divorced when I was nine. And, uh, you know, my dad was working like multiple jobs and I was like stuck at home or, you know, just just getting in trouble because I didn't have a father figure around. I um, what you call it? I was, you, you know, uh, I noticed, though, that the one thing that was constant was the fact that I could read and the fact that I was helping out others and the fact that it helped me grow into so much more of an intelligent person. But more importantly is that the fact that I read, it got me out of the situations that I could have been in had I not read. Like, I would have easily been a statistics, an African-American. I'm half Dominican, half Sudanese, but nevertheless, I'm black. Latino minority person. I could have easily been on those streets as I was roaming around at the age of 12. I could have been dead. I could have been in prison. You know, I could have been right. any of those things. I would have been, maybe I would have been locked up, but books got me to veer away from that. 
you know, and, and got me to see higher heights. And I want people also who have been in unfortunate situations to see that books are like the mentors you never had. They're the fathers, they're the mothers, they're the coaches, they're the older, great, good brothers. Like they're the, just the great role models. You know, you, you get to live and learn from those who actual people, you know, who experienced some hardships, but succeeded, but ended up redeeming themselves in their lives. So the, the rhyming book review is, is, is here to, to show that, you know, books are not actually born. They're not, they're not dry. They're not uh, pointless. They're actually, I, I, the way I, the way I deliver the content is to show you that books are still cool, fun, and entertaining and as well, sexy. So, you know, fusing what I did, you know, what I've been doing since I was a kid, which is acting, music, and books. Like, it's just my passions, but also giving people that belief that they can also, too, realize their talent, realize what their true worth is, and just go from there. That's a great point. I think the fact that you can make books fun and enjoyable for others, it shows that you help and care with your message, and you don't really push it off to the side. And the fact that, I like how you said books can be mentors, because... Sometimes you read an autobiography, let's say, of Bill Gates or Steve Jobs or one of these big-time brands. But let's say you want to be somebody who works in tech or, or a space like that, and you get inspiration from that. It does become like your best friend. You don't have to really rely so much on somebody else in the sense if you have it, you have a security blanket in the book to learn from others' mistakes or even learn from the greats. Yep. Depends how you look at it, for sure. Indeed. And hey, quite, yeah, you can go for it. No, so, you know, quickly, sometimes people are listening, and I like to talk to the person who is not really into books, right. but perhaps maybe indifferent or maybe like, eh, you know, they're like, as they say in Spanish, mas o menos, they're like, yeah, I could be more or less, or maybe depending on maybe how the wind blows. But like, you know, books, you know, it doesn't have to be a hardcover book. Right. It doesn't have to be a, a ebook. It could be an audio book, but nevertheless, it's the whole idea of feeding your mind because you know, people, we, all of us humans, we have some problem in certain areas of our lives. And I'm not talking about having anxiety or depression. I'm talking about like, okay, maybe you find out you're not earning enough money. Well, let's see. Let's read a book or book, because obviously not every book is going to cover. Uh, a, a whole thing in its entirety. Some do, and um, uh, you know, some of them show a lot of it, a lot of ways that you can, and then some of them don't. So you have to piece them all together. But like, say you're having trouble with relationships and building relationships, like books can help do that. Audio books can help do that. And the thing with chapter books is that they abide by this whole. Uh, um, it, it, it it's a whole uh, consistent, like coherent. Uh, piece of information like people go well why don't I just go on Instagram or why don't I just go on the internet but the thing is the problem was with unlike chapter books the internet the Instagram the social media it's all fragmented even the articles like it's fragmented when you have a chapter book a book that like pretty much breaks down reasons ways that you could earn more money right. that you better your relationship way that you could interview better that you could network better you know all that stuff like how you could publicly speak like Reading off of just one, like maybe caption or maybe off of uh, uh, what you call it, article is just not enough. Like the brain only retains information when it's consistent. And it's like after a while, it's almost like a muscle. Your brain is a muscle. And you start getting stronger and stronger when you continually, you know, when you continue to use that brain of yours. So reading a book is giving you that repetition, is giving you that bicep curl, you know, that that bench press to the brain. On, on that specific area that you're having issues with. 
So like chapter, I mean, so books are important, you know, and I'm talking about audio books. I'm talking about ebooks. I'm talking about hardcover books. I'm talking about all different books. Self-education in that regard, especially in chapter books are important. The one thing I remember too, when I was a kid, and I don't know if this, uh, if it still continues to hold, but the, one of the things I remember and I loved it, your brain has wrinkles, but the only way you can continue making wrinkles is if you read. Every time you read a book, you put more wrinkles in your brain, and that's what your brain needs so that it retains and you have a lexicon of information, you know, your lexicon, which is that little area in your brain that holds vocabulary, and you get to understand things a lot better, you know, uh, words and everything like that, and expression, be able to express yourself. And, like, books, I mean, books seriously are, are just really instrumental to people's success and people. And, and, and here's the correlation here. Here's the mm-hmm. correlation. You're very, the person who's iconic that you would know, he or she reads books. If you think of Richard Branson, you think of Warren Buffett, you think of LeBron James, you think of all these people who are big out there, they read books. And, you know, even all the other people like Martin Luther King, like they all have read books because they know that books is what contributes to your success. And I know that there's people out there and I can keep I don't want to continue ranting because I know you have more questions. But the, I, I know I know that there's people out there. They wish that their life could be better. They wish that they could improve in this one area of their life. They, they, they know they know that there's a problem in their area, but they're not taking action. But before you could take action, there has to be a little stimulus of, of that in your brain in order for you to move forward like you have to know and and books are is what plants that little seed in your mind books is like what what uh helps you to move forward and and realize the things that you would have never realized before so consider at least reading maybe a page or a chapter in a book that you know you have issues in and watch watch if you do that for at least one week you'll start to see differently in yourself and in your life no, that's a great point. I think, and there's a lot to digest, but the fact is, no matter what, like I said, no matter what book, it could be an audio book, it could be any type of book, no matter hard or not hardcover, it's information. And the more you retain information, you do it on a consistent basis, it's like reading and writing. Same thing with writing. You do the same thing, same thing with reading. The more reps you get, the more it is energy for your brain. And you're right, the greats do do that. And the fact they, they take and they learn, they experience, they find something in a book or even a chapter. You break it up on the stage, and they take that, they apply it in the future, and there you go. That's how you get information and intelligence. Mm-hmm. That's right. Question six. Now, I know we talked about how is your yourself reading books in general help your personal development, but with your experience of reading books in general, how do you use that to help others in a sense? Let's say they're struggling through a situation. What would be your basis and your your approach to, let's say, someone who's struggling uh, not so what, what mentally. Let's say someone who's struggling mentally. How the fact that you've been reading books and, and knowledge help you put them and empathize with them in more situation? Yeah, per, it's helped me to sympathize and empathize more with people. Uh, you know, I have worked with children and adolescents primarily in psychiatric. You know, these children, these patients, even adults as well, because I worked with adults. When you're dealing with this population, it's a very sensitive population, meaning like they can go off at any moment. And also the way they process information, well, just like anyone in general, but like what I found out, especially working with psychiatric patients versus healthy or or normal, if you want to say quote unquote, or average, uh, your average person is that everyone processes information on a different, different way, in a different way. The way I process information, Kevin, is different from the way you process information. Mm-hmm. You know? and, 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 and 
and that's the thing. It's it's gotten me to be a little bit more aware that you know I can't teach in just one way. I can't convey any information that I know in just one way and have them absorb it. You know, because we all come equipped with our own, uh, uh, you know, backgrounds, you know, our cultures, our religions, have an impact, our race, our ethnicities, you know, uh, our own emotions. Maybe we woke up on the wrong side of a bed, which also has an interference or an impact on the way we process information. Maybe our eyeball is hurting at that moment. You know, there's a pain in your body and therefore you can't really absorb it. So you absorb it maybe in a negative way. I mean, there's just so many variables of the mind. And that's why the mind is very amazing and very, very interesting because the each human brain, you know, is just very intricately woven with its own set of unique uh, characteristics. And so, like, my job is definitely, like, to, I mean, thanks to books, it's got me to understand that everyone is unique. Everyone has their own set of beliefs and skills and talents, and we have to respect that, you know? And so, personally, books has allowed me to really see more into the individual. And that's another thing, too, like, you know, they say knowledge is power. And I really right. do believe, like, books are not much money. I mean, like, if you buy a hardcover book or even a Kindle or, or, or even if you get a, 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 an Audible account, if you read, I mean, if you buy these books, I mean, books, especially hardcover books, they're like, some of them are pennies. They're like, you, if you go on Amazon, you pay maybe 99 cents or, or three pennies and just pay for provided you live in the United States or around the United States, you you will get, Sometimes, if not a hundred thousand dollars, if not a million dollars of inf of knowledge that is going to help help better you, you know. And so, knowledge is definitely power. But obviously, the more important thing is how are you using it. That's that's important. And I'm glad you mentioned that because anyone can read a book, but can you read the book to actually learn something, or are you just reading for the sake of reading? I think that's that's it. Because too many times you'll see people say, "Oh, I read five books," but what was the message you got out of those books, or what read for the comprehension? They like to say. Read for something you can use in the future, not just to read, to read or to read and just be done with it once and for all. I think that's important how you use it, like you said, will get you to sustainability in your life down right. the road. Right. Exactly. You know, uh, the th yeah. And the thing is definitely is about doing because quite for quite some time, I just enjoyed reading the book. I mean, because it's a, it's a form of escape. No matter if you're reading a fiction or a nonfiction book, to be honest with you, for me, at least it was a form of escape. It's like, ah, now I know this information. For that, I feel better because I know it. Just by simply knowing the information, I don't believe is enough. I think by applying it in your life, by taking the action, by what you read, by whatever information comes into your mind, you now need to utilize it because that's the important thing. Just because you have it, the mere fact that you know this information doesn't really do anything except for give you the nice little heebie-jeebies at the moment. Right. I think it's important that you just have to keep keep in mind that all the information you suck in, you have to keep that going and make sure you put pie in real life. And I think if you just know at the moment, it's like that old method. You hear a sad direction, it's great. But what are you going to do to apply with it? Not just hear it and it's in one ear, out the other. It's important. And question seven, how has your family helped you and supported you through your ventures? Oh, man. That's tough to say. I mean, initially, my mother always said, I wish you were a doctor. I wish you, you know, you're, you're so smart. I'm surprised you never became a doctor. And, you know, I went a different route, of course. You know, I, I went for my master's degree in psychology. I was considering a Ph.D., but then I found out that, you know, the jobs that I had were just burning me out and I was making not much pay. Like the, the pay equivalent to, you know, there was just a disparity in pay and the amount of work I was doing. 
and it was also the type of clients that I was dealing with. And so, you know, I just stopped. I stopped at the master's degree and uh, I started seeing new, newer opportunities and better opportunities for myself. Um, so my parents are not necessarily the, you know, the happiest of the route that I went, you know, uh, right. I, I've also, you know, I've also, you know, my, my, both my parents are remarried, you know, my mom has her husband she's been with for about 20, at least 20 plus years. And my dad has been with his wife for at least 20 plus years. And, um, you know, the very interesting thing about both my parents is another reason why they're not together is though, <sighs> Let's just look micro. My father, you know, he always was very much like, oh, because I'm Latino, I can't get this. Or, oh, because, you know, he, he because of his mentality, and this is how I saw through both my parents, you know, because of their mentalities, I see why my mom is where she's at. My mother's living in a nice area, you know what I'm saying? And she travels with her husband at least three or four times a year. You know, she has a BMW. Like, she's doing really well. And she's always done pretty well even as she was growing up she had her you know she was a nurse but even she was picking up entrepreneurial jobs she uh uh had a nail salon she was cleaning houses she also got an ice cream truck in the summer was selling ice cream she her and my dad also started a, a pest control business that they ran out of my out of our one bedroom apartment in new york so like my mother was very forward thinking very progressive very action very you know like she had at least the belief in there she invested in bonds, you know, and stuff like that. At least then she so she was somewhat I would say she's pretty savvy for in comparison to many other people. My dad would just followed and but he, you know, still like wallowed in a lot of uh, pity and all that stuff like that. And I see now why my dad is living in the circumstances that he's living in, you know, and it's funny because my dad is a light skinned dude. He's a light skinned Latino dude. My mom is the same color as me. She's chocolate brown, whatever you want to call it, coffee or chocolate milk chocolate brown whatever you want to call it and mm -hmm. she was afforded more opportunities than my dad and tell me why i don't know why actually i do know why because of both the mentalities were different and i really do believe it's your mentality that's going to help or hinder your success you know like people when you when you continue thinking oh well i'm never gonna get this or this is not gonna happen or you know when you just think negatively when you victimize yourself you're just not gonna get the things that you want but if you take action and go you know Though I have it, my mom used to be like, though this is the situation I am, though this is what the universe or God has given me because I'm, you know, I'm a female and I'm dark skinned or whatever, I'm minority, I'm still going to take action. My mother took action. She still believed in herself. And lo and behold, this is her circumstances. So I do believe your thoughts create your, your, your um, situations. But now looking at a macro, my parents still, especially my mom, still thinks kind of, she doesn't see the way like the wealthy do. She doesn't see like the way like the super successful people do, which is why my mom stopped owning businesses and, you know, just was pretty much resorted to the whole, I'm just going to be a housewife, which is wrong. No, nothing wrong with that, but it doesn't help me, you know, because she's, she's the type that's just like, it'd be like, Oh, when I asked her question, like, Oh, well, how do I go out and make money? I don't know. You go do this. It was like the book, rich dad, poor dad, where, the poor dad, you know, though he had all these degrees and all that stuff like that, and he was highly esteemed, he was poor because he didn't know how to make money. And, you know, my message is not to encourage you guys to just think about money, but it's the whole idea of always growing. And that's me. It's like when I did the rhyming book review two years ago, the whole idea was just like I was doing this as a fun hobby. It was cute. And I still think it's cute. Whatever. I don't care. But. Then all of a sudden I got into business and entrepreneurship and I'm, I was in a cohort up in Boston for the startup leadership program. 
And I told myself, what am I doing here? I'm with these entrepreneurs who actually have businesses. And here I am trying to position and scale the rhyming book review as an actual startup business. Who am I to do this shit? And I just keep reminding myself, this is shit is happening on purpose because it's for you to constantly challenge yourself because you don't want to be 80 years old or 90 years old or 60 years old wondering what if, what if I didn't even try? Because the thing is, it's about, right. it doesn't matter if it happened or not. If you fail at it, whatever, or if it didn't come into fruition, it is rhyming book review doesn't become like a fully scalable business. Like, like a, a, a Blinkist. That's a, that's a, uh, just a plain summary, uh, uh, business out in um, um, in Europe, but they're like they're definitely getting funded and they're doing a lot of things. If this doesn't come out to be a blinkist, then guess what? At least I tried, and that's the problem. Nobody tries. Everybody's too busy in their whole. Well, what if this happens? What if this happens? They're too fearful, and that's why they don't get to the where they want to get to. And my thing is just to constantly push, always. So even when I feel uncomfortable, why am I here with all these people who actually have legitimate businesses? It's for me to grow. It's a challenge. It's for it's for me to fucking realize my full potential and keep getting into that momentum, keep getting into that repetition of being out there, keep putting myself out there, keep being around people, keep keep believing that I'm more than just this thing, this one entity. Keep believing that I'm higher than that. And so, yes, I have to keep my parents, my family away at arm's length because they're just only hindering my success. Also, I had to cut some people out of my life about two, three years ago, actually longer than that. It was a breakup that I was in. Thanks to that, I was very thankful for this breakup. I was so depressed. I couldn't even get out of my bed. I was in graduate school. I was failing my first two semesters of, of course because all I was doing was pining over this this person that I was dating and it got me nowhere. Right. But then because of that, I started growing. I started getting into more personal development books. So actually that was when I actually started reading and really absorbing it and taking action. Started getting into meditation and affirmations and all that stuff like that. And journaling, journaling was a big thing. I've written stacks of books because I just kept journaling and I started loving my aloneness. There's a difference between loneliness and aloneness. And I started to embrace the aloneness part. And, uh, because of that, I started loving myself more and I started seeing my self-worth even more. And because of that self-worth, I started, I started not only putting an arm's length out to friends, I actually started just cutting them out of my life because they were doing nothing for me. Here I am, this guy who's ambitious and has goals and, wants to, and looking at success and opportunities. And I'm hanging out with these kids who are getting arrested and they're just, just fucking not doing good for themselves. And you know, and here's another uh, another universe. The universe was speaking to me as well. The mm -hmm. Also, I was calling these kids, texting them, like, "Hey, what's up, man? It's been like whatever months. How come we're not hanging out?" And I don't even know why I'm even pressing this on them. They're either being like, "Yo, sorry, I'm too busy," or "Sorry, maybe next month. Maybe call me back three months from now." But they're hanging out with all the other people, so I'm just like wondering why they're not hanging out with me. But that was the universe pretty much telling me the. It was basically a message saying, look, look, dude, you are going on to higher heights. They're not. Keep, like, this is a reason why you're not hanging out with them. So just take this as a great thing. And so I'm very fortunate. And ever since then, I've just been keeping certain people who do not help, who, who hinder, and who are not, you know, who are not, in, you know, who are not on the same kind of goals and aspirations. I keep them at arm's length because they're just not going to help anything. That's it. That's that's it. And I appreciate that answer, that heartfelt answer. And, and you know, you we'll start with the your parents first. The fact that you saw your mom's mentality at a younger age, the fact that she still didn't let any of the hindrances, as you said, hinder her, is good. And then your dad is the opposite. And then when you finally got into reading books and you found out that your friends weren't really there, and you took that alpha wolf approach to be happy 
while being alone, not so much loneliness, you had more time to think. You had more time to collaborate with your thoughts and don't worry too much about what others are doing. And once you got that ahead of yourself and you were wise beyond your years, and that's it. You figured it out. You now realize that all you got to do is focus on yourself, be kind, and that's it. And that's your message you convey to the world, and hopefully good things happen in the end. That's it. Indeed. The question is a fun question. If you could collaborate with any rapper in the world, who would it be and why? Oh, man. There's uh, two right now, and I'm still, you know, here's here's the thing with me. Like, the, the challenge for me was to get out of the old thinking. And one of the old thinkings was the way I present my hip-hop. Uh, the hip-hop and the way I do it is very, boom, well, was and slowly is moving out of that. But the way I convey, the way I convey my message is very boom-bap, 1980s, 1990s, maybe early 2000s kind of hip-hop. But- you can just pick up where you left off. All right. So the question you asked me about the MCs is just like, you know, just talking about, uh, you know, the styles that I like. So I'm going to say one person, one rapper who people may or may not know and then i'm gonna talk about another rapper who i believe uh a a lot of people would know and the first rapper i'm gonna say is elzai because he's amazing with wordplay like his flow he's from detroit of course knows where you know like the same you know the same uh uh, network as like eminem and royce the five nine and all those people like i swear like the waters there's I think something's going well in the water of Detroit where people, like, it just breeds so much great rap talent out there. But Elzai, spelled E-L-Z-H-I, amazing with his multi-patterns, multi-syllabic, polysyllabic wordplay, internal, external rhyming. Like, it's, he gets very technical, and I'm a technical kind of guy in that rap aspect, so I really appreciate him. But if I could work also with someone who everyone would know better, and I think hands down, because he grabs all, he encompasses all, would be Kendrick Lamar, because he's not only a, uh, a dude who does wordplay, he's very cerebral with how he markets himself, with how he displays content, both visually and auditory. You know, it, it, So it would be a toss-up between Elzai, and definitely Kendrick Lamar would be another guy I would love to uh, uh, collaborate with. Yeah, that's interesting that you mentioned Kendrick Lamar. I know he's got that humble rap album. That song definitely swept the nation, I think, last year. In fact, it just swept the nation. And the fact that you have two different styles of more strategic approaches in, in the music industry. And I have, I've had many interviews where people said it's not so much the music that matters. It is the business side of the music. And yeah. the fact that you have to know when to post content, how you market yourself in strategic and comprehensible ways to your audience is just as important as the actual music and the actual message sometimes, which is, which is a good, good way to look at it because sometimes you can have the greatest music in the world. You can do everything right. You mess up on one networking chance. You, you're too ambitious with your goals. You're too uh, not in tune with yourself. Even you, you start to get out of your, your real versus real type. You're not genuine with yourself and networking. That's how things start to downfall. You don't want to do that. The fact that you, you see that and you appreciate people like that, like Kendrick and Elzai. It gives you more leeway and it learns from your their experiences to you and apply it. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I'm learning now, it's like you said, man, it's not necessarily just about the creation. It's also about how you distribute it, how you market it. Like, do you market it in a way that a lot of people could understand? You know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I had to learn that, that, that one distinction because being creative doesn't necessarily mean that you're good at uh, all the other aspects that make your stuff like more noticeable or appreciated uh, because 
creative people are more like, here, here's my piece of content and you just better like it. Otherwise, I can't do anything for you. It's kind of ignorant to be like that. I, I, I finally figured it out. Like back then, I used to just be like, look, here's my music. If you don't like it, too bad. And that sucks because then you don't grow from it. You know, you don't, you right. don't tell you. You know, like when when someone's like, yo, you know, you could be adding better uh, visual quality or you could be upping your quality on camera or you could do this with your instrumentation and the volume on that. And if you're the person like, well, too bad, this is what's going to be like, then it's like you don't grow and you don't learn anything. And then you wonder why and you want to. And that's why people end up these people are blaming. And Kevin, you there? Yeah. Can you hear me? Are you good? Okay, and that's why these people end up blaming the system. Oh, because, you know, it's the government that's preventing us from having great music or being able to push our content out because people are holding us back. And it's like, it's not that, my friend. It's that, in fact, right. you're not growing. You're not adapting. You're not, you know, people, I think more creative people need to see themselves as a business. And, you know, that's, it's, it's sad because a lot, you know, business, sales, marketing, that's all gotten such a hoity-toity, uptight, like, oh, my God, snake oil salesman type of type of feel. But it's not that. When it comes to selling, you're always selling somebody on something. Like, think about it. Like, okay, uh, you're selling somebody and why somebody should listen to your podcast. You know, and it's not necessarily like you're selling, like, buy this. It's just more like just pitch pretty much saying, hey, man, here's a podcast that I have right here. I think you should listen to it because I have XYZ people or I talk about this. Or maybe you're trying to convince your kid that they should eat vegetables or fruits because it's going to help them freaking grow or be stronger and stuff like that so they can play at the park better. You know, or, you know, or you're trying to convince people to listen to your music or look at your artwork or, you know, like we're always selling. So that's one point that's almost biz that's like business like. But people got to see it in a different perspective. Like what did the uh, um, there was a, um, a Buddhist philosopher. He said something. I think he said. He goes, when you change, and I'm only going to paraphrase what he says. It's a paraphrase of a paraphrase. He goes, when you change the way you look at things, things will start changing, you know? And so you have to change the way you perceive things because watch how you start seeing it in a different manner. It's not right. just like sales, like like somebody at a car sales, like trying to upsell you and be like, oh, oh, you like this car? Okay, cool. Well, guess what? Let me add some leather seats on there for you. All you got to pay is $5,000. Oh, 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 also, let's also add on some headlights, some special nice little headlights. It'll only be $2,000 more. Like, no, it's not like that. You're always selling. It could encompass in so many different ways. And so people, creative people need to sell themselves more as a business and less as just a creative person. Because when you see yourself more as a business, you start to market yourself better. You start to speak better or pitch better about what you do or who you are, AKA selling. You start to understand trends like Instagram. Here's the problem with a lot of my creative friends. They don't understand that Instagram keeps evolving. Instagram is always evolving. Like the nowadays with the algorithms and, and like all that stuff like that, you can no longer post 30 hashtags and, and especially the same hashtags and generate the same thing, generate the same results. You're not going to generate the same results. You know, like, like, your, your engagement's going to go lower because now they've learned this whole thing with the whole algorithms. And so it's your job to learn about that. You need to start going out there more and start getting onto free webinars or seminars or, you know, going on YouTube and learning. And it's all about adapting, you know, and that's how you grow. You, you, you learn to adapt. You just keep learning and keep hustling. So, yeah, I mean, like, that's, that's what I can say about, like, people who are creative. They got to see themselves a little bit more in a serious light and definitely change their perspectives.
that's a great point. I think the fact that you can look at yourself as a business and stay open-minded to constructive criticism. I think that's another thing we did. We, you touched a little bit is some people don't see constructive criticism as a good thing. They see it as like, oh, you're just criticizing me for nothing. But the fact that you can take that and stride and realize, hey, you can improve on this or X, Y, Z, and you look at it as a business in a constructive manner, you can see the results and be open to change. I think that's the greatest thing. The fact that you can be versatile in most areas, but you're not versatile in something else, and you adapt to that and eventually get versatile, it's an ever-evolving change of landscape. And that's how you really become a creative and then take it to that next level to become one of the greats. Right. And, you know, the thing I want to say, too, for those creative people out there, mm-hmm. they have to, you know, there's going to be a point where you're going to get really stretched out and, and stretched thin. And I, my advice for people is you're only a one-man band. Like, stop thinking, like, you need to do everything, okay? Like, don't think you need to be on everything and do everything. Just, just don't do that because you're going to end up stretching yourself out. My recommendation is, though, if you want to maximize yourself, you do need to start outsourcing your work. So whatever the thing is you hate doing or that you're weak at, you outsource it to somebody. Either so, whether you pay them or you do a a, a fee for or you know a, a favor for favor you know so if you're an artist like oh I'll do artwork for your logo or whatever if you give me if you give me SEO search engine optimization or I will you know you I'll we could go fifty fifty on whatever you sell for me uh you know or if whatever you can present for me uh you know if I provide you instrumentation for your business like so it just it, it, you know, like there's just a with there's a will, there's a way. And to be honest with you, now that I'm starting to at least scale up within my brand, I'm starting to outsource the things that I that is wasting my time. You know, like that, that I don't have time for. Like that, you know, and it's allowing me to think, focus on the bigger picture, and allows me to really leverage my time because I really do believe, t- besides money, time is very important. And I just really feel like a lot of people are also wasting their time, like they're wasting their money. No, that's a great point. Time is almost like the new currency of life and, and creatives. Because think about it, everything you do in the creative lifestyle, you got to have time. I mean, yes, money's important, but time, if you don't have the time, you can't make time even sometimes, where, where do you go? Where, where, what's the next move after that? And the fact that you found time and made time and, and did it on a hard day rather than a good day. If you can do stuff on a hard day and find time on a, one of your hardest adverse days, you'll be a better person knowing Wow, I did on a hard deck and almost accomplish anything through a little hard work and dedication. That's it. Right. Exactly. And question nine, if you want to add anything, I think we answered it here. But what is the message to a dreamer out there trying to find their way in the rap world? You can just add it if you need, because you answered it perfectly, actually, without even knowing. Uh, so, I mean, I'll say one, this one line again, but I'll also try to use, I want to use an example. But they have to see themselves more than just a creative person. Like a person who's just creative alone cannot get far. Like, there was this book that I read by John C. Maxwell called Talent is Never Enough. It's, the book is called Talent is Never Enough. And it talked about how you need to, uh, you know, you need more than just talent to stand out and succeed in this world. Basically, in this book, he talks about 13 talent plus principles. He says when you have talent, you stand alone. But when you have talent plus these 13 initiatives, you stand out. So you have to understand, like, talent can only get you so far. So we have to stop seeing each other, our, ourselves as just these creative, talented beings. Because if you want to go far, and you really know that you want to go far, I know there's people have inner aspirations. Maybe they want to impact their family. Maybe they want to impact their friends. Maybe they want to impact right. the world with their music or their art. 
I mean, like, you know, like they want to impact them with their dance or their violin play. I, I, I mean, everyone has some kind of goals or aspirations, but they don't want to act. They don't act on it because they're too much living in fear. But I mean, just to uplift you a little bit more, I mean, some of the principles that he talks about in his book, I, I, I mean, there's 13 of them, but basically you have to start with a belief. You have to believe in whatever you're doing is going to take you somewhere. It's going. It, you have to believe that it has an impact on the world, that you're touching somebody uh, uh, today or tomorrow or eventually. You also have the second initiative too. the second principle of talent is never enough is you have to have passion, passion in what you do. Basically, do you love what you do? Passion is what gives you the energy to get out of bed. Like you could go for like maybe three hours of sleep and then you want to get up because you have this thought of how you can make your music better, your art better, your dance better, you know, your public speaking better. Like passion. you have to remember yeah. what is it that you love that comes to your heart. And it's not about what you hate because that's not passion. And then also you have to take initiative. That's the third thing. You have to take initiative which activates your talent. You know, when you have when you have a task that you need to do, it takes the initiative for you to at least start. The first step is the first step to a thousand miles is taking that first step. So I won't give you any more principles, but there's 13 of them. But if you have belief and passion, you're already on a good step. So learn what you can learn, what it is that you are passionate at and then believe in that and visualize that and you can go far. No, you're absolutely right. The fact that you can find the passion, that's the first step. And you also hand an initiative, mm -hmm. too, because the fact that you took the initiative to find your passion and find your belief, it's all interconnected. And I always believe in, in, in many people, I'm sure, believe in this statement, believe and achieve. The fact that you can believe and you can see yourself visioning yourself at the end of the tunnel saying, I'm going to be a speaker. I'm going to be the greatest speaker by learning and developing. You see it. You found your success right there. Now go out there and find that initiative and be passionate about and just evolve with the evolve, evolve with the, the times, but evolve also within yourself personally. And then you'll see yourself somebody who can stand out from the crowd rather than somebody who's within the crowd. That's what separates a leader and defines a legend for sure. Indeed. And question 10, what are your goals in the next five years? Want to be personally work anchor or anything you'd like to share with the anchor nation? So I, I, I'll randomly say a few goals. Uh, uh, in the next five years, I'd like to see myself making seven figures uh, because that seven figures, of course, that means that by then, by then it will show that I've, you know, at least by then I'll be making an impact on more people. Uh, right now, my focus at this moment, like taking many steps back and starting right now at the beginning, my goal right now is to basically um, impact at least one person every day or every week. You know, I, I, I'm glad that I'm imp impacting more than one person, you know, and what keeps me going too. One of the things that keeps me going was I had this one kid contact me on instant, um, on social media and he was depressed. He was suicidal. He wanted to kill himself. Uh, kids were picking on him at school. This was in high school. He was a high school kid. Kids were picking on him at school. Uh, they thought he was just, you know, just this dork and um, chicks no chicks were attracted to him. They thought he was weird and, and just unattractive. And his parents were always getting on him, putting high expectations on him. They're very anxious family just getting on him. And he just felt like his world was just crumbling. And all of a sudden, one day, he was aimlessly scrolling on Instagram. And he stumbled on my content. I think it was a hashtag that I had I put maybe on one of my posts. Uh, and he was looking at that specific hashtag. And he found my content. And he was ghost following me for a whole year. 
before he even mustered up anything, before he even got taken any motivation to message me, and he was like, "Dude, I found you, and uh, I want, I found you, man, and I was go- going through some shit, but because of your content, it got me to better myself a lot, you know. So I started working out, I started reading books, I started feeding myself with podcasts and YouTube tutorials. He goes, and I'm doing, he goes, I'm doing way better than I was before, and I was so happy to hear that, you know." Him and I uh, actually still have a relationship. We talk on Skype. We talk on, you know, iPhone. You know, we have the iPhone FaceTime. We FaceTime each other every so often. And it's just amazing that how much this guy went. He was before depressed. When I first talked to him, actually, we got on Skype once when he was telling me he he was going through some shit. Uh, And then I told him the books to read and all that stuff like that. He kept following my content and looking at my quotes and everything like that. And he's like, dude, he goes, because of you, you changed my life. He goes... He goes, I started working out, started going to, started checking out webinars, reading more books. And when I looked at him the next time on the Skype, man, he looked, there was like a glow to him. He was so much more like refreshed, happy, energetic. I was like, wow. And now this kid has a girlfriend. His girlfriend's gorgeous. He's now in college. He's uh, head of the newspaper at his college. I mean, he's like doing really good things for himself. And like, because of things like that, it really just insp- it motivates me to continue having that effect because to be honest with you, Kevin, sometimes, you know, at least before I, and I'm still, you know, before I used to post things and be like, damn, nobody's commenting. Nobody's checking it out. Right. Nobody's really saying anything. Oh, I'm only affecting a few people or only getting a few likes. And it's not about the likes. It's not about that. You know, it's, it's about how much of an impact are you truly and ungenuinely giving to people. And, and the next thing is just when you think no one's looking at your stuff, they are. And it is impacting them. You little do you know, some kid or some person right now is having a bad day. So, just so happens to stumble over your stuff, Kevin, over your podcast, and finds an amazing interview that you just did with somebody that gave them an inspiration or a thought for them to finally move forward in that thing they were lacking or that thing that they were having trouble in. And now their day is better. Now their week is more productive. Maybe their month is more productive. And that's what it takes is for us to not see how many likes and followers we have, but more about how much of a true or uh, genuine impact are we leaving on people. That's it. I think the fact that you can take a message of hope or you find that message like the kid did, found your content, that motivates you to the next level with it get to that one person that's all that's the best message to have it doesn't matter other than the fact that one all you need is one person and that one person that's followed you and took time out of your day that's it you figured it out you figured out the method just one at a time one step at a time and there you go and you got yourself a more balanced diet of helping genuine real people than some fake robot or fake engager on another platform and i think that's important that real human connection is the always will be the underlying means to life and success. Can't beat human connections. You can't beat the the spirit of people when they do great good deeds. They come and say, "Hey, thank you for that." Because without that, that guy, he may never he may never been on the earth without your content. So that definitely humbles you, and it definitely humbled me. That's that story, and I appreciate that. Indeed. And our final question, bonus content: What is one thing you like to tell the anchor nation that they may not know about you? That could be a fun fact. All right. Uh, let's see here. Well, the one thing that I don't think I talked most about yet um, is that I went to a Vipassana meditation retreat for 10 days. Mm-hmm. And within that Vipassana meditation, like it really, that was another way of growing. Like I just couldn't believe how much growth was in that. 
uh, I, 10 days, you go there, and the next thing that, that happens is you, uh, they strip you away from all your comforts, number one. Um, basically, no books. <laughs> so that was obviously a comfort of mine. Uh, no Bible, no video games, no cell phone. Uh, like everything that you think is a comfort, like basically all they want you to bring is like a few things of clothing and maybe medication if you needed to. And that was it. And 10 days, you're basically in noble silence, which that means you don't talk to anybody. You don't look at anybody. You don't, yeah, you don't signal to anybody. You basically just, you don't pay it. You just, you, it's all about silencing your outside as well as your inside. So the, the first challenge was basically, all the comforts, um, external comforts were stripped away, including me interacting with anybody. And you started meditation around, uh, well, you woke up around four or five in the morning. So it was basically a meditation boot camp. You woke up around four or five in the morning. You went mm-hmm. to the hall around six. You meditated, I think, for a half hour or an hour. Then you, then you went and had breakfast. And breakfast is very a strictly vegetarian, vegan type of breakfast. Actually, the whole, the whole meal, all the meals were uh, uh, vegetarian, vegan. And... Um, then you come, then you meditate in your room after that for about an hour. Then you come back again right before lunch and you meditate for another hour. Then you have lunch and you go back into your room and you meditate again. And then for the evening, you have, they have you meditating anywhere between an hour or three hours of meditation. And that means when you're in meditation, you don't move. You don't, you don't get up and go use the bathroom. I mean, if you do, you go use the bathroom, but you come back. But nevertheless, like it's once again, you're learning how to silence in, inside. You're learning how to silence your mind because what I learned through those 10 days was that, man, my mind was noisy. Like, it got to the point where I had nightmares at night. Like, I, I felt like, uh, I don't know, I was thinking of Uma Thurman in the movie um, um, Kill Bill where she was having nightmares of constantly punching the wood thing, punching, 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 and then all of a sudden I punched the wall and I woke up, like, hurting my freaking uh, my fist. But I ended up having nightmares because, like, it's just crazy how much shit the mind... Uh, how much chatter the mind goes through to just pretty much placate itself from all the stuff that goes on in reality. So, like, I, I know, like, my past was haunting me. But through that, I grew because I learned how to see that when it comes to life, everything's based on sens- sensations. Everything, Kevin, that you experience is based on sensations, good or bad sensation. If someone says something that you didn't like, that becomes a bad sensation. And if someone says something that's good, that becomes a good sensation. But the problem is with that, the, the true suffering becomes when you crave and you cling to these sensations. So the problem is, is that we crave and we cling to good sensations and we try to avoid bad sensations. So what does that come out to? Say you got a paycheck from work and it was less than what you wanted to have for a paycheck. That's a bad sensation. So now you're trying to avoid it by like, you know, like crying and running away and all this stuff like that. And I mean, I, it could just keep, I could continue going about this, but the Vipassana right. really taught me like a lot of instrumental things about myself and how to go about life. And man, I want to go back actually again, because I, I last time I was there was about two, three years ago and it really taught me a lot of, like just based on the whole idea of good versus bad sensation, like is just, and the way that the fact that you see, like me telling you this right now, Kevin, it's easy. It's a, it's a, it's a no brainer. You go, oh yeah, of course it, our job is to avoid it and stuff but no the true understanding is when you actually sit there and practice it it's just so visceral this concept right here of when you sit there and you're with it and you feel tingly in your neck or you feel like you want to itch your neck or you want to itch your ear you want to itch your feet like when you want to do that you don't do that you just let it be 
So, like, the question I want to ask you, Kevin, is when it comes to a doctor and you're at the doctors and you're, like, saying to him, oh, like, oh, my knee hurts, my heart, you know, is getting achy, I'm having headaches. You think that doctor with the clipboard is actually having the headaches and the knee pains like you are? Like, I mean, meaning, like, is he feeling or is he or she feeling those same pains that you're feeling? Like, is he vicariously feeling those pains? Probably not. Okay. So, basically, a doctor, what they are, they're, they're kind of indifferent or the word is, like, uh, uh, calm and, and have equanimity. So, basically, whatever, whatever sensations or experiences they're, they're notice, noting from you, they're not feeling it. It's not affecting them. They're just simply writing it down. And that's what med- Vipassana meditation is about. It's about basically understanding that you're having these sensations. They're maybe good or they're bad, but you have to treat them equally. It's called e- equanimity. And so Vipassana definitely taught me the whole idea of there's good and bad, and your job is to basically not crave or cling or avoid either, but just accept them for what I, how they are like a doctor would with a checkboard. And just keep, and note, and note that they're there. Notice that you're having good sensations. Notice that you're having bad sensation, but don't give totally into the point that, you know, to the point where it causes your suffering to the point right. you have to like, oh my God, I have to get more good sensations. I have to, I have to, I have to, or I have to avoid these bad sensations because that's what causes our suffering. Because if we don't get the good sensations, we suffer. And if we keep uh, thinking about the bad sensations and how to avoid it, then we suffer. And so that's, it becomes this eternal cycle of, of suffering. And so the pop center meditation has taught me that. That's a great, that's a great message. And I think it's like opinions too. people. Oh, what do you got? You know, all these opinions. What do you think of me? What do you think of me? What do you think of me? And that's got not getting you anywhere. What if it's a great opinion, but the next thing you know, it's a bad opinion. I think the fact that you can not cling to it and just let it be, let it go natural, let the things develop as let nature take its course in a sense, let your thoughts be stream of consciousness, whatever come in your mind, whatever sensation it is, what it is and just roll with it, roll with that, roll with it. And make sure you don't roll too far with it and start clinging on it, like you said, to where it's overtaking your life. That becomes your passion of just new sensations. That's what you don't want to do. And just keep continuing what you've been doing. And when you get those sensations, let it be. Roll. Move on to the next thing. Accomplish something. Dreams happen. That's it. Indeed. All right, guys, I'd like to say thank you to Tony Mosey for coming on the podcast. Appreciate his time and attention to the show. Tony, before you go, though, Got two things for you. First, would you like to DM your social media? Yeah, well, guess what? I have I have a gift for you guys. Before I give you yeah. my social medias, I got a gift for Anchor Nation. For everybody who's listening on Anchor, this is for you guys. So please Rap. listen it up. Here we go. Yes. Real quick one for you guys. Check it out. I just want to thank this station for inviting me to be part of the Anchor Nation. Kevin puts me in the mood for taking this interlude, answered his 10 questions, blessing his interview. It's Tony Mosey, your only crony. You know you know me. Yes, I said enough on Anchor Nation. Shout-outs to Kevin Touch. Appreciate that, man. Thank you for the rhyme. Appreciate that. But uh, now you can actually DM yourself. That's what I wanted to ask you. That's perfect. You, you beat me to the punch. Now you can DM your social media before we head out. Thank you, man. Appreciate that, bro. Indeed. You guys can find me on Instagram and uh, Twitter at Tony underscore Mosey. I'm also on YouTube. You can check that out on youtube.com forward slash Tony Mosey. I'm also on Apple iTunes uh, doing podcast shows, interviewing. I interview New York Times and International Amazon Pulitzer Prize winning and Wall Street bestselling authors on my show. Um, I had some really, really good iconic people on my uh, podcast as well. Um, and you can find me at Anchor. Find me Tony Mosey. Uh, I'm, I'm everywhere, basically. I'm on Snapchat. 
I'm on, uh, you know, Facebook. You can find me facebook.com forward slash Tony Mosey number five. Um, and to be honest, as time has evolved, guys, all the content on each channel is going to change. So you might as well like, follow, subscribe on all those channels as I am going to be providing different content for each platform. Awesome, Tony. Definitely check them out, guys. Tony Mosey and Tony Mosey File and Snap. Thank you, Tony, once again, man. Appreciate the Anchor Nation as always giving their time and attention to the show. Tony, it's been a great man. Thank you. Thank you very much, Kevin. Hi, Anchor Nation. This is Kevin Touch of Anchor Nation Community Radio, and I'd like to say thank you for listening to the Anchor Nation podcast. If you'd like to book an interview or DM me on Instagram, follow me at the Anchor Nation. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, it is also under the Anchor Nation. Thank you for listening and enjoy.